Hi. Okay. Hi, 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 hi. Hi. Hi, VC. Hi, everybody. Hi. We need a Raymond on joining us today. Yeah, but they're sitting Hello. in the dark. Hi, And everyone. it's very confusing. <laughs> it's cozy here. It makes us sleepy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why Raymond has decided to move the booth forward. Why? Uh? Oh, PC, I separate the gathering use and just for UCH this recording. use. Oh, because we've got all the, the newer equipment now. Yeah, because we also we will move upstairs. Up, so it's no longer that space. Yeah, okay. So like one or two months time, guys, oh. the set is going to change. Oh. And our Instagram look is going to change. We're going, we're going to launch the YouTube <laughs> channel as well. Dun, dun, dun. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. I don't yes. know, is there anything funny you talk about before we get into the... Today is the Ask Us Anything episode, episode yeah. So we're going to go through all your questions. Mm. Yes. Are you hungry? Very. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A little bit. Raymond just shared an article just now. Like he was talking about some chicken rice thing. Yeah. Raymond, tell us more. Uh, I just read a, a random article about how <laughs> Singapore cannot claim chicken rice as its own dish because it's an evolution of... Um, <laughs> Certain certain cuisines from Malaysia, China. Um, <laughs> we really nailed the word when we named our church the evolution. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's just appearing everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's evolved from Malaysia. Um, not ori- I mean, there is a lot of originating countries that chicken rice birth from. Oh, <laughs> I imagine every country has a chicken dish, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Some yeah, sort yeah, of chicken yeah. rice dish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is there anything that's original in Singapore? Uh, laksa. No. I uh, don't know. There's Penang laksa is not what, but laksa laksa. Chakuitel. Katong laksa came oh, from. Oh, Ro- yeah, Roja, yeah, Roja? Roja? I don't know. <laughs> Roja? Uh, not sure. No lah. Cannot be like Roja. I really? don't know. Yushang, eh. Yushang, Yushang oh. confirmed in Singapore oh. because the tourism board came out of it. How about minced meat noodle? Bato <laughs> Okay, I'm not sure. But chili crab, uh, chili crab is chili supposedly crab supposedly is yeah. uniquely yeah. Singapore. Yeah. I think we okay. we done fusion food really well, I guess. Really? Like just generally like <laughs> making it Singapore. Oh yeah. But okay, so this funny thing happened during the week, right? So let's poll you guys, okay, once you listen to this episode, right? Mm. So one of my friends who is a Gen Xer texted me to talk to me about this hawker blogger mm. named Dr. Leslie something and his wife. So I was like, she messaged me and said, Dr. Leslie, I was like, who the heck is Dr. Leslie? And she gave me so much grief for not knowing who this guy was. Because <laughs> apparently, she will go to the to the to his blog, right? Just uh. to find out what sort of hawker food in Singapore to try. Oh, so I wow. said, wait, 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 wait. This is a problem. Like, I like, like, because she made me seem like I was like really like out of touch. <laughs> so I was like, let me go and poll all my millennial friends whether they know who <laughs> Dr. Leslie is. So I went and sent you guys a text yes. message, all the millennials. I said, do you know who this guy is? Everybody's like, huh? Who? Huh? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> then only Raymond replied. Raymond said, like, yeah, I know the, the hawker guy, right? Yeah. yeah I was like, but PC, you know? he know because he, he Googled, Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> because he Googled on the spot. Yeah, then only um, his partner, I think, is Sito, the Makon Sutra guy. Uh. And then Zihan knew him a bit. I knew him a bit. But like really in passing. So if you had had this conversation with me out of context, I would have no idea who Sito is. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's a Gen X thing. So my friend is listening. You are old. 
Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but all of us know Seth Louis, right? Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. It's yeah, the number yeah. one that pop up every time we search for food. And Daniel's <laughs> food diary. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they actually Seth and Daniel? Yeah. Like, you know Iron Lady Chef, the blogger? Yes. It's actually a man. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. But yeah. why is he Iron Lady Chef? Because women are more trustworthy commenting about food? Oh my gosh, I don't know the backstory. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, right, I went to ask another Gen X friend, right? And then the Gen X friend knew who this Dr. Leslie person was and said, yes, I always go to his, his mm. blog to go and find out who he is. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's quite funny. Gen X thing. Yeah, okay. So, go, you know, uh, later hit up the Instagram and tell us like who you follow uh, for food. Yes. And then tell us whether you are Gen X, Gen Z. Or Gen... Or millennial. Or millennials. What's after Gen Z now? Uh? Um, They're calling them something, right? <laughs> okay, never mind. Whatever gen you are, just say like, like, and then tell us who you follow. Lah. Yes. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Okay, okay, okay. So let's get to the... Ask us question. anything. So yeah. we have gotten a lot of questions from everyone. Yes, thank you. And we will jump start with our first question, which is, how do I disagree well in a team setting? I say we're just going to jump straight into it. <laughs> it's like dive deep. <laughs> Go for the leadership questions. <laughs> yes. Okay. How do I disagree well in a team setting? Okay. Yeah. I answer first. Ah. Yes. Okay. For me, me, my first thing is like there's a time and place for everything, mm. and you need to know right time and right place to disagree. Mm. Uh, one of the great punchlines I love from uh Paul Scanlon is he always likes to say, "Say be a public fan but a private." Critic. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit scared about that wording. I don't prefer mm. the wording, but I get what the principle is, which is like you gotta learn how to to be have the right approach to disagreement according to time and place. Or yeah. so you can be a public friend of your friends, and then in private you can gently bring up something that you disagree with. Ah. Mm. so that's my first criteria. My second criteria is empathy. Mm. Um, are you able to see? Um, other people's point of view or mm. are you only looking at things from your point of view mm. so for me that is a bottom line second thing empathy um, and the third one would be self-awareness lah, mm. for me yeah. um, why are you disagreeing would be the question I'll ask for that and what are you disagreeing about like where is it coming from are you disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing <laughs> and being contrarian you know like some people are just super contrarian yeah. um, or are you disagreeing because you're offended by the person that you're uh, disagreeing with. Mm. Um, and so you're being difficult. Um, are you disagreeing because you think you're right all the time? Mm. And mm. therefore, anybody who doesn't agree with you is wrong. Mm. Yeah, so I think all these factors, like, I think there must be a lot of self-awareness um, uh, in order to work well as a team. Yeah. yeah. I think mm. to add on is like, um, really the question is like what are you disagreeing about? Is it over values mm -hmm. or is it over ideas? Yeah, and if it is over values, right, um, then I guess like what PC mentioned is like awareness is so important because you got to be very aware. Are you coming from your own point of view? Mm -hmm. Are you having a right perception about the current situation or what you're thinking about? Or are you misunderstanding someone else's like perception? So both empathy, self-awareness is very important to if you're arguing or you're disagreeing about values. Mm. Yeah. But then if it's, a, if it's a case of like ideas, like you're disagreeing over ideas, mm. then for me, I see it more as a, not like a disagreement. I see it more like a negotiation 
uh, creative conflict. Mm. Because because disagree disagreement disagreeing gives you the idea like um, it is a binary thing. Mm. Like I'm right and you're wrong, mm. or you're right and therefore I'm wrong. Yeah, and maybe that's the problem we have with the word disagree also, right? Mm. We disagree with the word disagree. disagree. <laughs> Yeah, we disagree with the word disagree. Yeah, because I think like what uh, Carrie said just now, I think the problem with the word disagree is that like then people always like throw on that, throw throw around that phrase like we can agree to disagree. Uh, I wish I hate. I go like what's even the point of that that, <laughs> that that agree to disagree phrase? But I think the problem is like what you say, a mm. disagreement is about a binary thing. You are right, I am wrong, I am more right, or you are less wrong or whatever it is. Yeah, like it has to be someone has to lose and someone has yeah, to Yeah, and that is not synergy. That is not like finding a way to agree. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time, there could be multiple solutions, multiple ideas, and multiple perspectives in the room. Yeah. yeah. So, so I just think, uh, I don't know, coming together as a team is something that has to do with synergy and has to do with more like a continuum way of looking at things rather than a, a linear way of yes mm. or no, you know, out. Or. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 and at the end of the day, we are, like a, we are a team. So we're making decisions based on what we think is best for the team. Mm. So it's important to come from angle, not just from what I think, but to be able to think on behalf of the team and on behalf of whoever that you are so-called disagreeing with. Mm. Okay, so there was a follow-up question, right, to this, right, Mm. which is, as a leader, how can I create a culture where an individual can disagree well? Okay, so, so again, right, back to what we just said just now, is there's a difference between whether you are disagreeing. Mm. Again, I don't like that word, but disagreeing <laughs> or you are disagreeable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a lot of wordplay here today, right? Oh. Yeah, like, I think the primary focus really has to be do you even want to agree and come to some sort of consensus? Yeah, that was my first thought. It's like, can you even agree well first? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point, right? Yeah, because I think sometimes a lot of people think it's cool and it's whatever to disagree and to have a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is. I think you want to bring that to the table. But I think in 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 the essence, like what is your attitude that you're bringing into the room? What sort of energy are you putting out there? Mm-hmm. Are you bringing energy that is um, creating energy in the room to fuel ideas? Or are you creating an energy where it's ready to shut down the other person mm-hmm. and to come against in a contrarian way? Lah? Mm. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think one of the very important things is is in a team to create a good environment. Um, working together, the first thing it starts with really values, lah. Yeah. Like everybody must learn the values of respect. Mm. Everyone must learn the values of humility. Uh, I think it's also important for everyone to have a spirit of curiosity mm. because then you're interested in another person's mm. point of view and where they're coming from. And I think listening is another one, but I would call listening. Actually, not so much just a value, but a skill. Mm. I think it's a real skill to be able to listen into what someone is saying and to try to really understand what they're saying rather than just hearing it and having a reaction. Nah. Yeah. So, so it sounds easy, but I find it actually in practice very difficult. Mm. Yeah. Um, other values I would say that is very important. Well, one thing that our team is trying to build right now this year among the leaders mm. is like, we're trying to prioritize giving trust. Yeah. Versus expecting trust. Mm. And I think sometimes that is a real factor in the whole um, disagreeing with people thing. 
Mm. Um, I feel it's so important for leaders to be able to give people trust and also expect people to give their trust sometimes mm. to a certain degree. I'm not talking about abusive relationship situation, yeah. but like being able to to believe that everyone's doing their best mm. and and coming from a good place versus um, immediately distrusting a person's motive or reasons for bringing up a certain idea or or bringing it up a certain opinion of things. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think without trust, um, any kind of conversation becomes very defensive. Mm, mm. Yeah, or it lands on very argumentative, very quarrel. Like, it's just all about quarreling and getting a point across. Yeah. And you yeah. find a need to have to protect your viewpoint because you can't trust that someone else out there is listening to you and mm. hearing you. Yeah? Mm. I agree. Yeah, so, so I think... Um, yeah, la, I, I don't know how else to... Because this is a very long conversation. This whole idea of mm. agreeing and, and disagreeing well. So hopefully we just give you a taste of what yeah. we think. La. Yes. But another thing we brought up also when we were discussing this is that it is very important to actually have certain expectations and boundaries in the team as well. Mm-hmm. Like I think time and place can yeah. be properly boundary. Like if you begin a meeting, mm. you say like, hey, okay, so we're going to, to throw out ideas right now. Number one, don't shut anybody down because mm. we want to generate ideas. But number two, for those of you who have a lot of ideas, like make sure that they're relevant to the conversation. <laughs> don't take the energy out of the room into some yeah. other arena where it's no longer helpful. La. Yes. So I think like actually a lot of things can be boundary well and like um, agreed upon beforehand to mm. make things easier yeah. so that there's less like weird like... Um, Tension. Tension in the room, <laughs> you know, when like, uh, this is our point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we have some other values that which we'll round up this question with, right? Um, yes, which is we felt like a good culture to have in your team is mm. where everyone is willing to put in the work. Like everyone comes to the table and gives their suggestion or give their, contribute their idea, but also co- commits to the idea, commits mm. to work hard. Yeah, which is basically you don't get to voice an idea if you're not willing to follow through. You're mm. not willing to be invested with the team. You're just there to disagree. Yeah, that drives me nuts. I can't people have a lot of ideas but cannot follow through on anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also think um, people don't get to have an opinion on what the team is doing mm. unless you've been in the trenches with us. Mm. Because you haven't earned the right to say something. Yeah. Yeah. True. Mm. Yes. So that's the leadership question. Yes. So yes, moving next. on, uh, we're gonna is gonna be friendship, relationships, and life questions. Mm. So first question is how to have honest conversations. <laughs> Painfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I think sometimes it is painful, lah. I assume you're asking this question because you're coming from a place where you find it hard to have vulnerable, mm. confrontational conversation so in that sense for you it's going to be a lot of pain initially (laughs) however that being said i don't think honest conversations need to be painful i think that's the other myth Mm. i actually think there's a way to kind of train yourself to be open and vulnerable and to start with you know rather maybe than starting from confrontation start with like figuring out how to share Mm. yourself with other people Mm. and i think especially i think leaders actually struggle just to jump off from the leadership question, I think yeah. leaders struggle with this a lot because we get into a, a pattern of we're always taking care of people mm. that 
that we we find it hard to take care of ourselves, which is to voice how we are doing and how we're feeling. And and I think especially sometimes in a church context, right, people expect a lot from us. Hmm. But yeah. they we don't necessarily um like think about how our leaders' day is going on. Our leaders are human beings as well. And so we tend to not share as well. Lah. So mm. I think it really starts with, I think a good way to start is to share your own life with people a little bit. Of course, within reason. I don't think vulnerability is anything, everything. I think you got to be careful who you share things with and who you're vulnerable with. But I think it starts with that. Yeah. But then slowly working your way up to, to being willing to have uncomfortable conversations with somebody that you want the relationship to deepen. Then you're going to have mm. to say, hey, there are some things that I need from you and, and etc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Please, I, want, I have a question which is, um, is there a difference between having an honest conversation with a friend, like in a friendship mm-hmm. peer level mm-hmm. versus like in a mentorship kind of like, be it someone that you're under or someone that you are mentoring? Yeah, I think there's a difference. Again, it's back to the time and place thing, right? And also mm. dynamics and respect and humility. I think especially yeah. in an Asian context. Like I feel mm. like you have to be more conscious of like, certain hierarchical positions. Now, now that being said, of course, leaders cannot be high and mighty. Mm -hmm. But I am saying that we are used to a certain cultural disposition of respect to our elders, respect to those in authority. And so the way you challenge or the way you ask questions is very important. The tone, the respect, the humility, Mm. there are certain codes of conduct that you kind of have to follow that are healthy enough. They're just not American. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so so I think like for example like sometimes people like come to me they're too garang and they go like wow I want to tell my boss this that I'm not happy with that etc etc I'm like go okay cool it dude like you have no EQ you have no understanding of the cultural codes of our society like you need to approach this with respect or like if you want to be heard because it, it's a negotiation right yeah. so if you want to be heard then you need to speak in a way that you can be heard yeah Oh, yeah. actually I was thinking like if people can't have honest conversation, right? Would that mean that they will either lash out or they will gossip? That means like basically there will always be a channel yes. that they have to. Yeah, you see, therein <laughs> lies the, the downside of Asian culture, right? <laughs> yes. Cannot confront, uh, so complain. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cannot confront. Like, so mm. you complain, uh, which is also not a healthy thing. Mm. So I think there are pros and cons of every culture. And what you want to do is to try to bring out the best in mm. that culture in how you relate to people. Uh. Yes. Yeah. Now, but I will say this, uh, please. Uh, like, honesty is not always the best policy. If you're thinking about like 100%, I'm going to say everything and tell the truth. And like, like and at the wrong time, wrong place. I feel like that doesn't work. Even in a marriage or even a friendship, like there's a time and place to say something. Yeah, things. true. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, but but back to this cultural thing, right? Because I made a <laughs> note uh, about this, right? We were chatting about yes, it during prep, right? We... That there really is a difference between Asian culture and American culture. La. So we've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown. Yep. And one of the one of the podcasts she did quite a while back, right, was about apologizing. Okay, yeah, yes. and I think I I had really like, like I couldn't really understand that podcast because in that podcast they were saying you must hundred percent apologize for everything all the time, and I was like, huh, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that works for me, and not that, and and I'm a person that is always willing to apologize, like and and willing to build bridges and willing to lose a fight if it's like somebody I love, like yeah. that's fine with me, yes. not a problem. But but I think it got me thinking that perhaps that is again a cultural difference mm. where Americans are used to 
to arguing pretty quickly. And so, so the tool that they need is to learn to apologize first. With, yeah, mm-hmm. without having... Uh, but, 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 <laughs> but, you know, in a conversation. Whereas I feel Asians, right, we tend to just apologize immediately, whether we mean it or not. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, or we <laughs> apologize too much. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And then I think also, again, not to generalize, because not all Asians are the same, mm. neither all Singaporeans the same. I think then it boils down to also personality, right? Mm. So if you come to me and you ask me about a particular situation, I'm going to tell you like, uh... Like if you are always apologizing, I'll be like, uh, can you stop apologizing? Yes. Like maybe just stop and like stand your ground and say, you know, I don't think I'm wrong in this situation, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I should, and you shouldn't concede so much. Mm. But then there'll be some people that walk into my room and go like, yeah, apologize. Mm. Like you are never apologizing. Everyone's apologizing to you, but really you're the problem. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's it's a mix of stuff, lah. Yeah, mm. yeah, but in in the grain of honest conversations, I think it really depends where you're coming from yep. and what's really going on. Yes, but I do think at the heart of it, you must be willing to be humble. Mm. You must be willing to say sorry or to lose when it's not an important fight to have. Mm. I think also you must be willing to confront if you're the more passive type or like walkover kind, like to express what you need from the other person and to sometimes say. No, I, 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 I will apologize for other things, but not for this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's difficult to do. Yes. Very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. Yes. So this is very interesting. <laughs> Actually, I thought this was very interesting. You were like, huh. <laughs> okay, so someone asked us, right? Tell us about our friendship. <laughs> Yeah, and then Chun Z freaked out. I was yeah. like, what fresh? <laughs> yes, we see. So my answer was like, my first thought, okay, not answer, but my first thought was like, Pastor is not my friend. <laughs> Pastor is a <my> mentor. <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing was, my first thought was like, oh, this is so interesting. <laughs> we can tell people about how like, we have evolved from a disciple, like Pastor relationship to a bit more friendship in the mix. And then she was like, Pastor is not my friend. Thanks. <sighs> is that a difficult one to negotiate? Yes, right. Like, yeah, I think I it's think different. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, I've wanted in the last few years to have, especially the senior leaders in our church, to be more my equals and my partners in church. And I've fu- I actually found that really challenging. Um, oh. Yeah. I've always had to tell you all, speak oh, up. Like, it took very we long. We problem. Like, make decisions. <laughs> like, no, it's just, I think it's hierarchical. Oh, okay. um, and, then, and then I think the divide was very big when you all were younger. Mm. I was the adult and the authority and you all were youth. And so I had to do a lot of looking out and mm. you all had to do a lot of looking up. Mm. But now yeah. that you are adults and I want you to bring your voice to the table and push back and tell me what you think, I find it very tricky because they will tend to defer to me. Mm. So I've had to, as a leader, be very conscious that it's very asymmetrical mm. and I have to like sometimes shut up and say, no, no, I want to know what you think. Okay, let's execute the idea according to you. And that's a better idea and that's wiser than my perspective mm-hmm. yeah like you're better now but still not like equal <laughs> but i'm not sure you will ever yeah be i'm not sure whether you will i think i think for us we feel like the best will be both right mm-hmm. that you still honor me as your pastor but you're also kind of my friends well at yeah. least that's my ideal like. <laughs> that's my ideal like. i feel that's my ideal like. i think we will always like respect pastor as a our mentor and kind of uh, support pastor as a friend. <laughs> like, I don't understand that. Like, we just, we were like... I don't, I want you to be... 
Yeah, no, no, no. Like, my goal is that they will be more equal. Mm. Because I want pushback. Mm. I want, I want, uh, and and they are growing up. So, you all are grown up already. You all have ideas and ways of thinking that are different from me that I find very helpful. Yeah, but like, I, I will tend mm. to defer to you uh, about wisdom stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Obviously, I do feel that it's like kind of adjusting mm. a little. Maybe because we are growing up also. Like mm. the dynamics where we were always, there's a very strong, oh, sorry, there's a very strong foundation of like, trust, respect, love. Yeah. And so, I think it's a matter of like, um, like gaining confidence also to mm. make decisions, to communicate and then… Yeah, yeah, actually a helpful thing I realised. Again, I think this is cultural. Like, I was in a discussion group with a lot of um, Westerners, right? Mm. And, and they were going on and on about like, you need to learn to say no to people. And when I was in that discussion, the thing that came to my mind was like, no, in my context, context is I feel I need to tell my people yes more often and affirm them that yes, keep going ahead, keep going ahead because it is so hierarchical. Mm. Like they will wait for me and defer to me and even if I've given an instruction, they will still hold back sometimes because mm. they want to make sure that they're flowing with what I'm doing. Yeah, so I feel like it's a different cultural... And then also because we're a youth church, so there's mm. a lot more hierarchy so-called built-in. Mm. Yeah, but again, I don't think it's an either-or thing. I think that's a false dichotomy and binary. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's either rebellion and equal or not. Mm. I feel like it can be all those things. Yeah. And I hope that we do that well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay, so next question. How do you become a more thoughtful person? <laughs> this is from Winnie Wong, our <laughs> this director. From, yeah. Winnie Wong, I feel like you've asked this question before. I think so, but like... I it still remember. bothers you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking? I think I'm just thinking like, because I'm, I'm very... Like, I feel I'm quite a practical person who like, goes about like, my day, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But you know, like we, in church, we talk about all these very thoughtful stuff. So how do you like, go to become like, a generally, like you care about things and you, you, um, about, uh, be a more aware and also like, be more thoughtful in the yeah. sense that in you know, in an everyday context, it's not just like in church. But here's the funny thing: Do you perceive yourself as not a thoughtful person? I think I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I also think you're okay. I wouldn't call you not thoughtful. Uh. Okay, maybe mm. maybe let's let's uh specific this a little bit. Like mm. thoughtfulness in what area? Um, thoughtfulness about maybe. Social justice. Oh, mm. uh, okay. Specific to social justice? I think. Yeah, well, that's a tough one. Mm. Because I think... Okay, I think that we must cultivate a certain, like, care for justice, which I think is inherent to our gospel. Mm. That you care and so you will listen and you will read up. Mm. But I do understand that it is tricky because thoughtfulness requires exposure. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, in our lives, we have such limited time. Mm. We can't learn everything. And we naturally are inclined to learn the things that we are already passionate about. Versus new arenas that we've never touched before. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think you do have to sometimes be a little bit deliberate about going to read something that you normally wouldn't read. Mm. Of course, it won't be as the same. I, I don't look at other things like as with that much frequency, but I try to build at least like 20, 30% of my time on podcasts, for example, I'll try something different. Yeah. Um, I think being an environment where 
other people are care about other diverse things. When I hear them talk, I naturally get influenced. Like for example, recently I've been growing a lot of plants. <laughs> and I can tell you 100% it's because of Pastor JC in my life. Mm-hmm. Because he cares about creation care. It's 100% because we've got Zuyu who cares about creation yeah. care. That immediately makes me more conscious that I go, hmm, I can lean into this. I will not be them ever. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to plant a community garden. I can barely keep my plants alive. <laughs> <laughs> but but it just pushes you and I, and I let myself lean into that a little bit in a way that I can cope with. Yeah. yeah. So I think in social justice, I think the fact of the matter is we all got limited time. We cannot do every course. We got to pick ones that we can do yeah, with. PC. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then just, I guess, another thought. I think the other thing that I, I feel is important to have thoughtfulness about is even in our personal lives, being thoughtful to me is as simple as being considerate to people mm. and that consideration makes you consider their point of view. Mm. It yeah. makes you consider that the world is different from what you may perceive it to be. I feel like mm. it all is connected. It's mm. just whether it extends to the individual or to the community that you and the friends that you are with and then to the larger world it's mm. an extension of a value of consideration and respect and yeah, yeah I, I really do believe that that it springs from that inner mm. value yeah yeah yes mm. yep. cool did that answer your question yes PC, okay thank you awesome oh next one fun one yes things that i wish i knew when i was 16 <laughs> Actually, we didn't know how to answer this question. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't really have things that I was like, I wish I knew I was, when I was sixteen. I was like, what was I doing when I was sixteen? Yeah, yeah. I don't really think about life in that way too much. Like in in uh, retrospect, yeah. Like retrospective to the point of like, I wish I had known that like deeply. Um, yeah. Okay, like, but since I have to think, right? <laughs> I, 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 I went, okay, one thing I, was, I said was, I wish I had more EQ when I was 16. And then somebody had taught me the framework of having EQ. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I was too self-absorbed as a youth and I could really be too um, brash and like not, like not received well because mm-hmm. I was too like low EQ. La. Yeah, mm-hmm. then the second thing I said was calling. I wish someone had taught mm-hmm. me calling in a better way rather than just like the calling of God is a destination and this is the role like you're called to be Mm. a pastor and that's all you can be I wish someone had taught me what I now teach youth which is calling is extremely it's a trajectory Mm. it's a partnership with God it keeps flexing it keeps changing it's okay to have multiple things Mm. yeah I feel like that really trapped me for a good part of my life and I I don't like that at all Mm. yeah Mm. But I don't look back and regret lah. Because mm. I think out of that same mm. trap, it, it created a life message that I yeah. now teach to all the young people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What about you? Because I think for me, maybe I just wish that I was um, crazy. <laughs> crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Not so scared maybe. Yeah. I, I think for me, I will, I will kind of think before I make a decision thing, before I make a decision. Even when you're young? Maybe not. <laughs> oh, not as much. Um, yeah. But I do, I do. Mm. So there is a part of it that is you like, all along, is it? Yeah, there's a part that is me all mm. along. But I wish that maybe to not be so worried. Okay. Too much. So let's flip the question. What are some things you had when you were 16 
that you wish you had more of right now as an <laughs> adult? Uh, I think when I was 16, I was more decisive. But I've more like… More… Yes. More firm. <laughs> it's so funny. This is such a more contradictory <laughs> situation. <laughs> You're like… Okay. I think I'm trying to flex like… To find that sweet good spot. space. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. But I find myself a very… I would say harsher, I guess, you see. Harsher More now? confrontational. Than last time? In the past. Oh no, so you want that back? Uh, some I, of it back. Uh, some of it. Yeah. Can afford to have some of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the thing, right? As much as I say that I wish I had more EQ when I was growing up, mm. there's a part of me that misses the brashness, the dare to say mm. and dare to ask questions and dare to push boundaries. Whereas now, I feel like I'm… Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah, but I was thinking like, does every strength always inherently has a flip side of weakness? You know, it's like… Well, yeah. I feel I've always felt that way. I'm open to that being wrong. But generally, I feel yes, every strength has a… Go too far and it's mm-hmm. a weakness. Yeah. Mm. So the, the, the way is to, I guess, find a way to keep it in a healthy zone. Ah. Yeah, but that's one thing I'm really trying to get back right now. Like being a bit more mm. brave and be more brash and dare to just say… Mm. Yeah, which I feel like I I I don't know. It's like almost as though I got some PTSD that I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> therapy time. <laughs> okay, well let's go to lighter hearted things. So yes. you asked some questions about UCH yep. specific. Okay, uh, so what inspired and made you all think of starting UCH, Caris? Um, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she deferred to me again. I think actually it was my idea, right? Yes, yeah, it was yeah, Pastor's yeah, yeah. idea. No, I wanted to do this for a very long time. Yeah, she started as a more lofty idea and then we brought it down to size to start. Uh. Mm. Yeah, we. I think I've always wanted to do a like think outside the box kind of like platform. So ITG was one way I think mm-hmm. I stretched it. But then ITG is very specific of we bring in leaders to interview. Mm. So we're allowing ourselves to be stretched by them. But I also wanted a platform where I could stretch my ideas too. So I think that's why it became uh, like a partner to ITG mm. to a degree. Yeah, then what's your hope for common humanity? Uncommon, sorry, common humanity. <laughs> <laughs> what's your hope for uncommon humanity? Um, where does UCH want to be by 2020? I don't know where we want to be like in 2022. That's too soon. <laughs> The general hope is that it would be something fun to do mm-hmm. and it would force me to kind of consolidate thoughts. It would also be fun to do with Caris. Caris brings a different idea. We're two quite different. We're similar and yet very different in the way we approach things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully we have more people come on board mm-hmm. too one day. I think one of the ideas I toyed around with um, initially was that we wanted to have UCH like Main, main speakers or hosts from different places and contexts mm-hmm. and different cultures and races so that we will have our ideas stretched by one another rather than it always being like either local or it's like the mm-hmm. other counterpart is like whatever western theology and culture things yeah yeah so I would love to have like really from very varied places like a whole diversity of yeah that. like having some bigger alliance or things but Mm. that's very far down the road yeah right now we're just small fries (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. okay so question Uh, let's throw this to you what's the most challenging topic we've done so far and why Uh, I think for me it's the episode words matter (laughs) that's right why I think it's 
because we I think maybe we touch on a lot of the issues mm. and being able to um communicate what we feel, think clearly about those issues yeah. and what's our heart about it. And, and because they're such controversial issues. Yeah, and, and we want to make sure that it's been uh, mm. it come across and is received the way that yeah. you would, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of us, we hands down, when Words Matter was the hardest one so far. We recorded it so many times. Huh? Yeah, but I yeah. don't know whether the evolution of the evolution was... Yeah, but that was hard for a different reason. I think Words Matter <laughs> was hard really because of uh, the, the yeah, content. Yeah. Yes. And because we were confronting... We were daring to, as, I don't know, our small church leaders, confront mm. larger, larger and more powerful opinions. Mm-mm. And then we also wanted to do the topic justice, which means we wanted to really build bridges and have people hear varying points yeah. of view yep. and not be shut down mm. towards like issues like, I guess, 377A yeah. and all that. Yes. And we wanted to also communicate in a way that was clear. Because it's a very big topic, but to do it concisely in one episode was very tricky. It was challenging. Yeah. yeah. We, wow, we re-recorded that so many times. Mm. But like Harry said, the other one was the evolution of the evolution. Yeah, I think... But we, I think that was personal. We did a lot of times as so. well. Yeah, because it's like we're talking about our, our, church. our church and our <laughs> values for our church. So I think that was... Because it was too personal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, then the last question about UCH. If you could talk about anything, what would be the topic we want to talk about most, mm. Um, I think for me... Anything to do with like how we think, human psychology, patterns, like uh, cognitive stuff, interesting stuff. Yeah, that's where the two of us are the same. We really love this kind of thing. Like the interdisciplinary yeah. way of looking at life and spirituality and relationships. Yeah, and especially when it connects with one another, then we feel like, wow, we didn't yeah. know this. Yeah, because I think for you and me, science doesn't scare us all when it comes to spirituality. It enhances it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what's common. We, sh- mm. we scare some people around us <laughs> because we're <laughs> integrative. Yeah, but we're dissimilar in that I like looking at things partic- more from the macro. Ah, yeah, yeah. But you look at it from the interpersonal. How like, does it affect? Wh- yeah. One on one. And mm. Yeah, so that's where we differ. I think that's where it becomes a bit interesting. Mm. I get very riled up about the macro, macro political culture. Things mm. and then Chunzi is a bit more nyao. Not that I don't care about it, like nyao about the relational, how you treat another person. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. 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 So those are the UCH questions. Yes. So yeah. next one is questions on episodes that we've done so far. Um, so one of the questions is episode, about episode 10, which is um, Body Your Mind. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Body Your Mind. She said, I didn't know we could possibly be. <laughs> you let her use a she. Oh. Everybody knows it's a she. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes. Go, go, go. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know we could possibly be carrying incomplete stress response cycles in our bodies this whole time. Mm. Um, and then, what works best for the both of you with reducing stress in your lives? And also, has it changed over the years? For example, certain activities used to work well for you for a period of time, but not anymore currently. And how do you figure that out along the way? Mm. Smiley face. Haha. <laughs> yeah, for me is I, I'm very physical. Mm. Um, but the ironic thing is I can be very um dense like not body aware not body aware in the sense that I don't realize I'm tired until I'm tired mm. or it's too far gone, so to speak. So so I really have to keep that in in preventative mode. 
which is actually right now this point of time in my life I think this is the best I regulated it mm. ever compared to last time last time it was just like more I didn't even know that that was how I regulated but now oh. it's really preventative mm. um, so that has stayed the same that hasn't changed for me at all it's very very physical um, but of course the body now is getting older so that one has changed I have to be more careful with stretching and everything Mm. Yeah, my joints don't hold up as well anymore and I have injuries. Um, but the thing that has changed drastically for me is uh, talking, um, sharing problems with people. I did not used to do that as easily. Mm. Yeah, like especially after I got over, like after like being self-exalted as a youth, later on when I became a leader, I did not share problems. Like I was like always afraid to bother people, mm. be a burden. Um, and now I've, it's been over the years I've deliberately cultivated a habit. I've had to fight to cultivate that habit to force myself to open up, to force myself to talk about the things I struggle with, whether it's with friends or with mentors. Mm. And, and now it's a habit. I would say it's not that difficult anymore. Yeah, so that's changed. Mm. Yes, you? Yeah. For me, I think how I handled stress was like growing up um, if from a youth to like, I mean, young mm. adult, the whole process was just really about expanding capacity. Mm. I think the moment I feel stressed, I'll ask myself, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rather I'll tell myself, you have to increase capacity. It's just all about expanding so capacity. So driven. It's like, just expand but capacity. That's, that's what I love about you as a you. You were just like, go do. <laughs> yeah, like, you can do more than this. Yeah. Okay. Then I think maybe recently is more of like asking uh, why. Mm. Also, like, why am I feeling it this way? And then what can I do about this yeah yeah maybe in some sense you and I no lah uh, we are kind of that similar in that sense right we would rather do things to mm. move on than to deal with our inner thing it's like yeah. just to like be positive keep going and be driven and move on and yeah, yeah. so I think it's a PC like I think it's a maybe it's a balance right like there are some things that it's just like just <laughs> just do and just move on oh right? yeah 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 yeah. there's yeah. some things it's like okay you yeah, gotta slow really, down just, yeah. <laughs> take two steps back before yeah. you can take a step yes. forward. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes also there are times where it's just like just stop. <laughs> you know, like just stop. <laughs> just stop. Yeah. So I think it's all helpful. I don't think it's throwing away mm, away we used to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just finding the balance. Of, mm. Mm. Okay, episode two. Yes. Which is God said so. That episode, right? Don't take God's name in vain. Yeah. So yes. um this person asks, what does it take for us to flip flip the chart? <laughs> <laughs> uh, flip the narrative I don't know, Flip yeah, the narrative I, Where Christians Will be more open Or flip the culture Christians will be more open To understand that They need to stop saying God said so <laughs> And is this A main problem Happening in USA And SG Because I've not heard Stories from other countries About <laughs> it so far Seems like the influence Is in USA uh, Let me qualify Actually we do want To talk about other countries oh. It's just that the fact of the matter is in the media, the US mm. especially or Western US or maybe UK no more US, US dominates the culture. Yeah. Um and so in order to decolonize that, you have to talk about that and confront that and unpack that. So that's mm. why it's been so heavily US oriented, because the problem is that. Mm, mm. Yeah, but we do want to talk about other places. I would recommend follow some other Instagram channels. Uh. There's one I think the uh, just Google decolonize and two two 
two Instagram channels come out. Decolonized Christianity, which is a US channel. Mm. But there's a second one that um, I think is an African logo. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name right now. Go follow that. I think that's quite good because it brings perspectives from the African perspective. Mm. So on my Instagram, I, I follow quite a few different cultures and places because I think they bring very different perspectives. You'll be surprised. Uh, the US is... The, the, the American perspective is not the only way to do life and do church. Yeah. Yeah. So so go follow um, other channels. I think that's an important part. So we've only done step one, which is to confront what is the problem. But then step two is you got to find other ways to be influenced. Uh. Yeah. But as for Christianity itself, my I'm quite pessimistic, lah, mm. frankly speaking. Um, because without humility, I think culture is very hard to change. And specifically to Singapore right now, I don't find the voices that dominate the conversation particularly willing to listen or open to feedback. Mm. Yeah. Which I guess we'll talk about another time when we talk about how to think and how to engage. Yeah. Yeah. So that part, I'm not too optimistic. However, I, I would say on the ground though with millennials and Gen Z, I feel a little bit of optimism. Mm. Because I feel... Sometimes the young are more willing to change and if we can do that well with them, then the culture of church will slowly evolve as generations pass on. Mm. So I think that's where I'm hinging my positivity, not so much on changing the empire as it is, but um, changing it from the ground up. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So, But how well we do that, I guess, is a we'll big see. question. No? Yeah. Hard. Oh. Mm. I think it's challenging. Very challenging, especially in Singapore right now. Mm. Yeah, because Singapore is very monoculture, I feel. And whoever's the dominant culture sort of dominates the conversation. Whereas America, you have two different sides fighting. Mm. So if you go to America, certain places, you can still f- find progressive voices. But here it's like, oh, wow, we're struggling to find one another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway, mm, stop, stop, stop. Okay, go on, episode. Yes, episode two. Uh, also this, again. Yes, episode two, this person is asking, any comments about the influence of Christianity in local politics or lawmaking? I'm not sure we can comment on this. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just say, Christianity can be a little bit disproportionately loud in the religious landscape um, mm. and want more influence than I don't know this is my perception la, that I feel like Christianity seems to want more influence in Singapore than the other religions on politics mm. is my perception but I'm not in the other religions but my mm. perception from a Christian point of view is that we want more influence than everybody else Mm. Yeah, but that is fundamental Christianity for you. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, we must we must advance the kingdom of God. Mm. Yeah. I just think that there are better ways to do it than that way. Yes. yes. Episode 5 slash 6. What is that? New Year's Eve episode. Yes. Habits and identity. Yes. Okay. Yep. What are some good habits? <laughs> How to answer this question? <laughs> okay. We will tell you what habits we're trying to... <laughs> Cultivate. Yes. I'm not sure I've thought this through actually even yet. Okay, yes, Carrie's. <laughs> uh, for me right now is to not have two consecutive bad days. <laughs> so if one of the days is bad and I know it's a bad day, I will tell myself tomorrow better not be a bad day. Yeah, or rather it can't be a bad day. <laughs> okay. Has it been working? Uh, so Gradually. far, yeah. Okay, good I for guess. you. 
<laughs> uh, for me, the first one that came to mind right now this year is I'm trying to cultivate a habit of confrontation. Mm. <laughs> Which I'm very bad at. I was, I was telling Carrie during prep, right? I said, I'm trying to... So I've noticed, right? My friends have noticed that I'm confrontational when I'm PMSing. <laughs> so I'm trying to bring PMS to the rest of my life. <laughs> was that TMI? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's go on. Personal questions. Um, yes. This was a very good question. Someone asked, what sparked the deconstruction of your faith? Mm. Mm. You want to go? I go first. PC, I think. You can go. Okay, here's my answer. I think actually all my life I've had an inclination to deconstruct. I, I think I just, when I went to seminary and then now being more... I think, it, and, and having more different mentors, I now have language to do it. Mm. I just think I've always actually been that way. It's just that I'm also very, I guess, to some degree people-pleasing or very filial mm-hmm. to authority. And so, I will ask a question and it's not necessarily in rebellion. I think there are periods where I was, of course, a, a arrogant youth. But but in general, my my desire to ask questions has never been to rebel or to like take apart the status quo or to undermine somebody. It's always mm. been because I want to understand and I want to know why. And then when it became about loving God, I want to know how best to serve God and what God really thinks. Mm. So in that sense, I feel I've always been deconstructing and asking questions uh, of my faith. Uh. But I do understand that sometimes the way I ask um, scares people because they assume that oh no, is she backsliding or is something going off? Mm. But actually, I'm very, very anchored. Do mm. you think that way about me? Actually, I'm quite anchored in my deconstruction, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm quite anchored in my deconstruction. So, I, like, I'm just always asking questions of like, for example, recently, I was telling somebody, because <laughs> I love Myanmar very much. Yeah. It's a, it's just a thing that, because I went on mission trip when I was younger. And so, seeing all the unrest makes me question and then seeing Black Lives Matter bothers me a lot. Mm. And so I started asking the question like because I've always believed in nonviolence. MLK's nonviolent movement, Gandhi's nonviolent movement, I believe in that. I believe Christianity is and Jesus is pacifist. Mm. Um but I've been asking the question recently is our Bible truly nonviolent? And I'm not asking because I don't want to be nonviolent. I'm asking because I'm really feeling like, okay, there's something missing in my theology to explain nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Where the only way I can do it is a disingenuous way of, of I, I have faith that this is who Jesus is. But I can't really 100% explain to you why. I can explain certain things. But, but I also go, but then I'm, I'm leaving out the whole section of like where there is truly militant language in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there is violence in the Bible. And... And I'm not saying God is, but I haven't connected the dots of how to explain how I've arrived at the conclusion that Christianity is nonviolent. And I feel if I can connect the dots and create a framework, I can better teach nonviolence, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I'm not trying to deconstruct nonviolence. I'm not trying to explode my faith and stop believing in Christianity. I'm just asking is there a way to better explain my faith and understand God better? so that I can explain it to people better. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in the, like this Instagram is annoying me right now, progressive Christianity. Oh no. Like, I, I follow <laughs> it, 
because I want to learn an idea different from me, a perspective different from mm. me, I let it stretch my boundaries. But I find their argumentation problematic. So I understand why last time Pastor Chris came and he said he doesn't like the term progressive church. Mm. Like in ideal sense, we are progressive. We want to be brought in here all sides. Yeah. But I think the problem progressive Christianity in or at least that Instagram account kind of just access whatever the Bible is mm. rather than engaging with the difficulty of the Bible. So they'll just leave out whole portions and say this is irrelevant and take what they want to support what they believe today. Mm. But I don't believe in that. I believe in that all these things can matter. And if you're going to act something, you must have a good reason. Mm. Not just because you feel like it or you believe it to be true. Mm. Yeah. So, so in that sense for me, I think my deconstruction is not exploding my faith. My deconstruction is asking questions of my beliefs and so that I can genuinely say what I believe. And I can also genuinely say there are some things I don't know. Mm. And I cannot explain. I think that's what people get angry with Christianity about and Christians about, which is we're very disingenuous. We will not acknowledge the fact that there are loopholes in our argumentation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That was a very long <laughs> explanation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just I have you? a question which is like, so Pastor, do you think that um, deconstruction is an important phase or not phase but like a thing mm. that every person should go through in their journey of faith? I won't say it's a good thing. I think it's a if you've come from a fundamental background and a very rigid thinking about your faith, mm. it's a necessary step to undo your thinking, to let go of the rigidity. Mm. I think, I don't like the term because, I, I think it exists because fundamentalism exists. Mm. And bad leadership culture in church exists. Mm. But I think if you can build a culture where you teach people to be okay with uncertainty and asking questions of their faith, then technically speaking, deconstruction in that extreme horrible sense, like take down the whole building is not necessary. Mm -hmm. If you could have a house that you're constantly tweaking, that would be the ideal. Lah. So mm. it really depends where your starting point is. Your <laughs> starting point is like Christianity in its fundamental form, mm. then yala, you're going to have to dismantle quite a bit. Ah, because the house is broken yeah. and the bones and the foundation is broken, you have to take the whole thing down and rebuild. Mm -mm. But if you build a foundation of asking questions and being able to sit in uncertainty, mm -mm. then you can just keep tweaking as you go. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think for me, um, actually, when I think about it, right, um, when it comes to just me and God, I don't think there's a really like a major thing where I have to question about God. You know, the, like generally, I think there's a trust there. Generally, mm. it's fine. I think the deconstructing of faith comes into play when, or comes into the picture when I'm in, in, in relation with people, mm. in proximity with people. Like when I look at people's life or when I'm mentoring somebody and I look at their experience of life or when they are asking me questions because they are going through something, then mm. that's when I, when I don't have an adequate answer or mm. I don't know how to answer, then that caused me to have to kind of search deeper into the Bible or mm. ask myself more difficult questions of like, how can I, you know, if God is this, then, <laughs> then how can I, uh, how 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 do I bring this person closer to God? 
And for you, it really is very external. Huh? Like, I feel I'm a bit of a mix, but it, it's very personal. Mm. But I, of course, yeah, la, there are things that have jarred me. Like, like, when I see my friends suffering because of a bad theology, that makes me want to question the theology. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think there can be so many different reasons why you deconstruct. You got hurt. Someone oh, yeah. else around yeah. you got hurt. Or you're just uh, more... Um, like a more personality that wants to know and is curious and asks yeah. questions. So I just think it can come from any yes. kind of thing. Just so long as you end up in a good place. Mm. I think that's the most important part about deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that helped you a bit, whoever you are. Mm. Okay, funny questions people ask you as a pastor. Have you thought <laughs> of um, Actually, my first thought is... Um, <laughs> I'm sure you had funny ones uh, from very young youth. Uh, <laughs> no, I was like, did I tell people I'm a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> or as a leader, a Christian leader. Oh, a Christian leader. Um, yeah, I guess they're always curious uh, about like prayer. <laughs> Talking to God. How much do you talk to God? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, along oh, people ask you that question? Uh, yeah. Interesting. What, they, they think that we're Joan of Arc all the time. Is it How much do you talk to God? <laughs> Uh, I I think for me the questions that bother me most are like people ask me always is about my appearance. Oh, <laughs> I can have long hair. I can dye your hair. I can wear broken jeans. Like, literally, I always go down this thing. Or or how come you're not wearing a collar? Am I supposed oh, to call you father? Yeah, yes. Like they <laughs> see, yes. Yeah. So I always get the appearance question. I always get the gender question. Oh, women oh. can. Um, and the last one, I always get the time question. Pastor do what? Uh? <laughs> like you're very free one right just sit around all day long and then don't do anything I'm like oh, okay thanks <laughs> actually pastor, pastoring uh, is no night no day a little mm. bit it's a tough job yeah yeah so but I don't know lah I don't have any other funny things that people have asked Winnie mm. have people ever asked you funny things about your pastor no <laughs> yeah okay okay never mind so anyway we move on okay so last question <laughs> right yes uh, you guys ask for recommendations on podcasts and books. Uh, well, I think we're probably going to do a podcast episode on this because that'll be yeah. quite long. So off the top of your head, what stuff you're listening to or been changed by lately? Oh, books that are really... I have a lot of books. Mm. Um, but a lot of it, I only read a little bit of it. Uh, halfway, halfway, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would yeah, just yeah, read yeah. and then jump and read and yeah. jump. But some of the books, like, uh, I really love MLK books, Strength to Love. Yeah, I do love that one I read too. that like maybe four years ago. That's a book that I feel can change your life. Really, really. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you should go read it. Um, The Last Arrow, The Way of the Warrior. I couldn't Irwin. get through Last Arrow. I love Arrow. <laughs> I could not get through Last Arrow. I don't know why. Yeah, yes. but Way of the Warrior, I loved. Yeah, it was. That, that was very clear and very mm. like that. That was a cool book. Y'all should read that for yes. sure. Um, Podcast. Is it Podcast. Brene Brown, Adam Grant, Battle Ready, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. I listen to a lot. Yeah, I love the Malcolm Gladwell books. So I guess every leader says that, I think. Mm. Every cultural leader says that. Um, but my favourites are Tipping Point, David and Goliath, which right now I'm like making all the leadership team read. Yes. Um, but one book recently that really changed my life last year was Richard Rohr's oh. Falling Upward. Now, I have to say, uh, it's a little bit like he's quite a dense writer. Mm. Like, every line is a punchline kind mm. of a writer. But this one in particular, I think, was very helpful. I think about 
like he talks about first half of life and second half second half of life and mm. and not in terms of age but in terms of mentality of like we spend part of our life pursuing something and then the second half realizing what really matters and mm. and stuff like that and he does it in really beautiful ways so I had it on my bed side for a very long time I probably will do it again this year because it's mm. really good nighttime reading um and very very yeah just very good it's like the, I think it's the one of the best devotionals I've ever had yes. but it's cheap uh. yes. you read it too huh uh, I read a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> a I read bit, yeah. his news. Uh, like his newsletter, which yeah, is really beautiful is too. Really awesome. Sometimes I'm too lazy to go through the whole thing. Then I only read when you tell me to read. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I guess Jim Collins stuff. I just well, let me tell you what I have right now, lah. I just bought quite a lot of leadership books for this year. Mm. B two point and then mm. uh, character leadership. I yeah, a lot of leadership books this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Chansey, all those podcasts. I also love Armchair Expert because mm. he's funny and very intelligent. Yeah. And our favorite is Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. With Oprah. But again, that's a bit high level, I yes. find. Yeah. Very but philosophical. Pretty deep. But a good one right now that I love, guys, is Bill Gates and Rashida Jones. Mm. Bill Gates is actually a really funny guy. <laughs> really funny guy. It's really well done podcast. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it wherever you're coming from. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that's it for Ask Us Anything. Yes. See you around. Bye. This is Uncommon Humanity by The Evolution. Do us a favor by leaving us a great review or share this with some friends. And if you really love the content, consider supporting us. You can give through theevolution.org or email us at uch at theevolution.org for more info.